0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. We'll talk to Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. He wrote the book, The Jordan Rules. Sam Smith will stop by and the Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott, will join us as well. Jeff Passan from ESPN, I've been told, will join us coming up a little bit later on this hour. We'll talk about baseball coming back and what kind of hurdles do you have, including how many games and how much are you paying the players. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, Danpatrick.com or Twitter handle at Show Chat Row, you're on the clock. you got to come up with your T-shirt. we got, I think, eight or ten T-shirts there for you to vote on. You decide. And then on Friday, we will pick our winner for the Chat Row T-shirt. Go to the website to see the, uh, I guess, uh, nominees here. I'm trying to be polite here because Seton's been a little bit rough on Chat Row here. Mario's been a little bit rough on Chat Row. I think they've done a really commendable job. Yeah, Seton? I prefer to say it's more tough love. Mm. Uh, just sort of like, you know, it's it's all coming from a pla- a good place.
1: Are just you trying to get the most out of it? It's sort of like what Jordan would yeah. do to uh, Scott
0: morrell He's just like, hey, man, you can't guard me. Like, hey, guys, you can design better shirts. Okay, I got it. So you're the Jordan of chat row. Is that what you just called yourself? No, no, I'm just sort of using uh, some of his same motivational oh, okay. tactics. Okay, That's all. All right, well, chat row, come up with a t-shirt, and then uh, we will print it for you. we we'll have a poll question, stat of the day, play of the day coming up. You can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show, and listen on the great radio affiliates we have around the country, and the powerful Fox Sports radio lineup. The Monday Night Football booth has always held a special place in the broadcasting world, or at least it did for me when it first started, because Monday Night Football, prime time, You had somebody named Howard Cosell who was in there who never played the game, never coached, but he was entertaining. He was a lawyer. He had made a name for himself with his relationship with Muhammad Ali. You put him in there. Frank Gifford, a former player who was then the play-by-play voice. Uh, Keith Jackson was also in there as a play-by-play voice. Don Meredith, the former quarterback with the Cowboys. You just put him in the booth and they were entertaining it was something that was you talked about it the next day and uh howard cosell was one of those you know it's i guess the modern day howard cosell would be stephen a smith where and and stephen a smith is exposed too much where howard had a big platform and when he said things you listened and you know monday night football was a must see tv we we didn't look at ratings i didn't know what the ratings were back then it was just it was entertainment you tuned in entertainment so Frank Gifford and Don Meredith they had players like OJ and Joe Namath uh, non-football guys Dennis Miller Tony Kornheiser Monday Night Football lost its luster Sunday Night Football was you know rising up to be the best broadcast and I know that I'm territorial because I worked at NBC but Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth Michelle Tafoya and the production crew they made it the best TV best football broadcast on TV Mike Tirico then with Monday Night Football. John Gruden came in. All right, got a little bit more of an uptick here. Uh, you know, Gruden was the I love this guy and the uh, Spider 2 Y banana. Okay. The booth is in the state of flux once again. Last year's team of Joe Tessitore, Booger McFarlane reportedly out. ESPN flirted with Tony Romo, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. And now it looks like they're going to stay in-house. It looks like Steve Levy is going to be the play-by-play voice. And that's a good call. I've known Leaves for 20 years, and I said, boy, and I texted him yesterday, I said, 20 years to become an overnight sensation. Congrats, Leaves. He goes, I don't know anything. Do you? And I said, I know that you're going to be the voice of Monday Night Football. I don't know much more than that. But uh, Leaves will be good. He's a very good traffic cop, and he doesn't. Ha- he's not trying to impress you with his football knowledge. That's where you get into it. I- and I think Joe Tessitore... People didn't know who Joe was. And Joe is more of a college football guy, that voice, that enthusiasm. And I think he was trying too hard to let you know that he knew football. We don't want that out of our play by play voice. That's why we have an analyst. And you had, you know, sometimes two analysts in there with Jason Whitman and Booger McFarlane. Booger will be good on the other shows on ESPN. I, I think it's, it's better suited. Here's the topics. We need a 15, 20 second sound bite. You know, give an opinion, tell a story. I think Booger McFarlane will be fine. Now you're looking at, is it Dan Orlovsky, who was a backup quarterback for his career? He'd done a great job on ESPN. Is it Louis Riddick, who does a great job, you know, former player, assessing the draft, got strong opinions? I'm not sure who else they're going to bring in. Pat McAfee is also a possibility. Pat McAfee, to me, wouldn't be the right choice. I love his personality, but I don't like his personality in that situation because I, and he's smart enough to be able to adapt. I just, I think Orlovsky is probably better suited for that, or Lewis Riddick, and or Lewis Riddick, Orlovsky to me is is good. He makes you think, and uh, not that McAfee doesn't. I just worry that you you get to that sort of let's we don't need too much entertainment here. We just how about we do a clean game. And the knock on ESPN has been, hey, you know, these guys are making mistakes. How about a clean broadcast? You know what makes a great Monday night game? The game. When you have a good schedule, people will watch. You don't want them to not watch because of who's broadcasting. For the most part, we're pretty easy to entertain. But it, And I always said, make it clean. And even when I talk to the Danettes, if we go on the road... I always said, just a clean broadcast. We don't need to do bells and whistles, just make it a clean broadcast. And ESPN, I think, tried too hard to recreate, make it an event. You know, Sunday night football is not an event. It's just the best produced football game. That's all. It's clean, start to finish, clean. You got Al is a Hall of Famer, Collinsworth Hall of Famer. You got the people behind the scenes, wonderful. Best at what they do, in my opinion. It's a clean game. And then you have people who are just professional. Don't try too hard. And you run into that. and You run that risk because, hey, it's Monday Night Football. I got to do something more than I'm capable of doing. That's why Levy will be a great voice there. Because Levy works well with others. And he will set up his analyst. uh, So I don't worry about that. That'll be clean there. Now, are you going to get... Uh, Lewis Riddick and uh, Dan Orlovsky, will that sync up? Will they disagree with each other? I mean, that you can have a good dynamic there. I just think ESPN has tried too hard. You know, when they brought in Kornheiser. I mean, Kornheiser is brilliant, but he had to be set up by Mike Tirico. Dennis Miller had to be set up, and that's really hard because then you're not doing a game. If you're doing play-by-play, you want to do the play-by-play You leave room for your analyst. He jumps in. He says what he's going to say. You call the action. Then you come back. You show the replay. You can't be there going, okay, I haven't gone to Dennis Miller in a couple of plays. I got to set him up so he can say, and the Taj Mahal, you know, whatever. Kornheiser, same way. As, As brilliant as these guys are, that's not the role. We were trying to create Howard Cosell. There's only one Cosell. There is. You can't put Stephen A. Smith in the booth. He's good at what he does in his, uh, you know, the other platforms. That is a really, really difficult job, and the job is to make it simple. You, you, you have to let everybody understand what you're talking about and do it in a concise manner, and that will be the key. If Borlowski and Lewis Riddick are the two guys or Pat McAfee, you've got to condense everything. You can't go on a show and go, I'm going to talk for 25 seconds. It's, you can't do that. And you have to be very astute in what you're saying and how you're saying it in, you know, that that's what Levy's job would be to sort of divvy up airtime between the two analysts there. Then you go down to the sidelines. Are you going to go down to the sidelines? And how long are you staying there? Are you going to have two sideline people? You're going to put Mina Kimes on the sidelines there. You, are you going to have Pat McAfee as maybe your quirky, I don't know, comic relief doing profiles prior to Monday Night Football? I don't know. But don't overthink it. Make it clean. That's all. That would be my motto for every week. Clean. Make it a clean broadcast. Know what you're talking about. So Twitter doesn't rough you up and say, wait a minute. Did you hear what he just said? And then, it begin, then the snowball begins. It's just, it, the best is Twitter ignores you. And just talks about the game. That would be a rarity for ESPN. You know, Sean McDonough is a Hall of Fame broadcaster. He, to me, he wasn't an NFL broadcaster as much as he is a college broad, college football broadcaster. They're just certain voices. And it, that's not meant as an insult. They're, like, I could never do play-by-play, but I know what play-by-play sounds like. I couldn't do it. But there are certain roles and certain voices, certain enthusiasm. And Joe Tessitore will go back to doing college football games, and he'll be fine. And Sean McDonough, the same way. Doing college football games. Don't overthink at ESPN. And hopefully they won't. All right. Uh, I saw the odds came out for uh, MVP. And I'm, I go back to Michael Jordan was always competing with Michael Jordan. That's why, you know, it got to the point where, uh, Jordan, oh, let's give it to Charles Barkley. Not that Barkley wasn't great. They had the best record, regular season record that year. And Carl Malone, when he won the MVP, you want to make sure that you're telling a different story. Like, you can't tell the Jordan story again. You know, you uh, Jordan, Jordan was the league MVP. Every year, he's league MVP. Now, you didn't vote him in as the, the league MVP every year, but, you know, you're looking at him competing with he, with himself. Like, what could Jordan do? Unless he was winning 72 games... You're probably going, all right, we've seen this before. And then you wanted another story to tell. That's what's going to happen to Patrick Mahomes. And that's what's going to happen to Lamar Jackson. Now you're competing with yourself. And that's really hard. Because Lamar last year, 40 to 1 chance to win the MVP. When Mahomes won it, he was 35 to 1. You're telling a new story. And, and they were worthy. They were worthy of that. And now you look at the uh, odds this year for um, who would be the leading candidate. So Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Mahomes the overwhelming. Well, he's four to one. Lamar Jackson thirteen to two. Dak Prescott at nine to one. Then Russell Wilson Jr. the third. Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, and Tom Brady same odds. What are they? Twenty years apart age wise. <laughs> 16 to 1 odds for Brady and uh, Kyler Murray. Drew Brees at 20 to 1. Aaron Rodgers, motivated Aaron Rodgers, 25 to 1. Deshaun Watson at 28 to 1. Nick Foles, 100 to 1. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would probably look at Deshaun Watson at 28 to 1. I'm not going to get much value off the other ones. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott at nine to one seems a little high. Russell Wilson uh, at twelve to one seems you know, a little. And I don't know he. I would put him up there higher than that. Brady, the novelty there, but he's got to put up some big numbers here. Kyler Murray, are they going to take that next step this year? Drew Brees at twenty to one. And I don't know what kind of numbers you're going to have to put up. That's the thing. Because you know that Mahomes will put up good numbers. Lamar Jackson probably won't rush for as many yards as he did last year. Russell Wilson just seems to do what you need him to do when he needs to do it. Um, You know, the Aaron Rodgers, he still has to throw that wide receiving core. I don't care how motivated you are. He goes out there and goes, yep, same wide receivers I had. All right. Brady's going, oh, my God. Look at that. And that guy. And that guy. And that guy. But I would say Deshaun Watson. Another thing to keep an eye on is we keep talking about these contracts. Patrick Mahomes is going to make whatever he's going to make. He's going to be worth it. And, and I hope you get whatever you, you deserve. I, I do think that I think the owners have gotten themselves in the position where they were when. Remember when the number one draft pick would make $50 million? Didn't prove themselves. You know, Sam Bradford hadn't proved himself. Jamarcus Russell, here you go, $50 million. I went, you're going to pay them? They haven't earned it. Meanwhile, guys who did earn it didn't get paid that much money. They finally fixed that, and they put a salary, you know, you uh, you were slotted with your salary. Mahomes is going to wait. Now, does Deshaun Watson sign his extension before Dak Prescott does? Or the fact that you're seeing Deshaun Watson $40 million a year? If you're Dak Prescott or his agent, you're probably going, you know, 35 just isn't enough here. 36 isn't enough. We want what, and, and he's probably going to say rightfully so, I want what Deshaun Watson, he's not getting more than me. The Cowboys made the calculated mistake, in my opinion, of waiting too long. Because at the time, maybe 31 or 32 would have gotten it done. And then you waited, and then other people are going to be on the clock, and then others are going to get more money. And then all of a sudden, Dak Prescott's getting more valuable by the day. And maybe he's going to get $38 million, maybe more. And then you know Deshaun Watson's going to get paid, and then it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Now, I still think it's crazy that you keep paying these quarterbacks. You know, is Dak Prescott better than Russell Wilson? No, he's not. But he's the next man up. Like Jared Goff. Should he have been paid that money? No, but he's the next man up. At some point, these owners have to say, am I paying a good quarterback, great quarterback money? Because that that's where you're stupid. But if you're going to pay a great quarterback or you're going to pay somebody to be a great quarterback, I'm all for that. If you think they are, it's what you do with the rest of the salary cap. That's on you as an owner, as a team. If you think that, Dak Prescott is a great quarterback, great, then pay him. If you don't, then be a hardliner here, give him the, uh, you know, one year here, and then you decide if you really think that he's your franchise quarterback here. But that'll be incumbent on the Cowboys to do, you know, what they've done with the salary cap. You overpaid for Zeke Elliott, Amari Cooper you brought back, you paid all your offensive line, and now it comes to Dak. You got to have if you don't have a a good quarterback, a relevant quarterback, you don't have a chance. And Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Is he a great quarterback? Not yet. Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback. Is he a great one? Not yet. Patrick Mahomes, he's a great quarterback. We'll talk to Jim Harbaugh, we'll get to phone calls, play of the day, stat of the day. We got a lot of things to get to. We'll settle on a poll question as well, but when we come back, the Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, this is The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for The Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Dead coach of the Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh on the program. Good morning, coach. How are you? Good, Dan. Good to hear your voice. What time do you wake up?
2: Uh, usually when the when the kids wake up, the three year old usually drives if he gets up uh, pretty early.
0: But up then, and, and then what's what's quarantine like in the uh, Harbaugh household?
2: Yeah, li- living the dream in
0: quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of phone calls.
2: A lot of phone calls. Yeah, a lot of phone calls. A lot of a lot of Zoom meetings and uh, staying in touch with. Uh, um. Other head coaches in the Big Ten, uh, our athletic department, uh, our coaches on our staff, our players and and recruits. So, been uh,
0: been a lot of conversations. What have you been told?
2: Um. <clears throat> well, um, as as far as um, whether we're going to play again, I mean that, that's a big question. Yeah. i, I Everybody's mind can we can we play again? I, I, um, I think right now we're. Um, we don't know because it's it's dictated by. I think the simplest answer is if the if the governors allow our gyms to open up, then um, you know then we should be able to get our guys back into the weight room and training, and um, and then a whole set of other, you know, a lot of smart people working on. Uh, you know, can we can we eventually play the games? You know, I don't think anybody knows that for sure right now.
0: Could you see a scenario, though, Coach, where not every school in a conference is going to be playing their football season or starting on time with everybody else?
2: Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I'd, I'd be I'd be more for that, um, you know, than than saying all 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 if all can't play, then nobody plays. You know, that yeah. kind of uh, I've never been a big fan of the, of that kind of thinking.
0: Yeah, because I was wondering about Rutgers, given the proximity to New York City, they might not be able to start when everybody else does. I look at the SEC, and it it feels like the SEC is probably going to be full speed ahead. Uh, Pac-12, I think, has got some issues with just proximity of the schools there. I mean, it's it it's kind of the wild wild west of trying to figure out who's playing and how many games you're going to play. Is there going to be travel with planes or is it buses and? are you sort of you know sorting this out as well
2: yeah well the um, you know everybody's everybody's looking into that and it's you know it's gonna be driven a lot you know by the by the health professionals um but I mean a lot of different scenarios being planned for it. like all options being looked at the things that, that you're saying right now people are looking at that the length of the schedule is it is it just a conference schedule um you know, we do, do you play the games uh, and a certain percentage of the fans can come or no fans can be in the stadium? I mean, all those things are, are uh, being talked about and,
0: and looked at. Talking to Jim Harbaugh, Michigan head coach. I was watching the 1995 Pro Bowl festivities and the long throw competition. During quarantine, you'll watch a lot of different things, Coach. And I got, I got Drew Bledsoe in there, you, Brett Favre. Cordell Stewart's in there. I think you threw it sixty five, sixty six yards. Favre, I think, blew everybody away. You, what do you remember about that?
2: Uh yeah, I remember uh, that was the farthest I ever thrown a ball. Uh, so I,
0: <laughs> I remember
2: feeling really good about myself to, to throw it that as far as I did, and uh, it was kind of a, kind of a low wind cheater. Um, <laughs> but yeah, watching Favre throw. The the long ball. Uh one what, what, Randall Cunningham one time saw him throw at seventy-five uh seventy-five or eighty yards into into the wind. that that was you know wow, gosh.
0: That was that was amazing stuff. Best arm you ever saw.
2: Wow. That's a
0: that's uh mm,
2: that's that's a toughie. Um uh Andrew Luck. Had a great arm. He uh, the ball came out a lot faster. You know, uh, he threw it harder than he uh, looked like he was throwing it, but he was catchable. Tom Kaepernick, extremely, extremely uh, uh, strong arm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of guys are strong. Arm. Randall Cunningham, uh, he had that fluid motion, like like a whip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the amazing thing is that they. There's not there wasn't guys that uh, I can't even think of too many guys that threw it the same. You know, everybody had a little bit different different throwing motion. Um but yeah, it was you know, Brett Favre was incredibly strong armed guy.
0: Well, you know. Uh are you still pushing for the Tom Brady statue on uh campus? Yeah,
2: yeah. I th- I think that's been earned. I think he's the, <laughs> the greatest player of all time. Uh, he's pretty much lapped the field. <laughs>
0: Well, what what uh, did your chancellor, president, or athletic director say about this?
2: Uh, you know, being looked into. <laughs> Jonas Salk. I think we. I think we should get it. I think there's a, there's a lot of deserving people. He, he's one too that should, should have a back up. Uh, how many Super
0: Bowls did Jonas Salk win?
2: Yeah, he pretty
0: good things. Would you explain oh, yeah. explain this to me? Because I never heard this story. I don't know if it's true or not. When you were with the Niners, when when Peyton Manning left the Colts, he worked out for the Niners, and you were there in 2012. Is that were you guys close to signing Peyton Manning in 2012?
2: We uh, we were yeah we were um, we did a workout and it was down at Duke University and uh, he threw the ball great uh, we we uh, yeah we were evaluating the the situation recruiting him uh, we just didn't we didn't want to get into the, the 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 you know the 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 show of it you know where SUVs are pulling up and you know flying in here and there so yeah, um, yeah we was more under the radar um, but. Um, and we had Alex Smith too who uh had had a great season for us in 2011 and um, and then Peyton ultimately ended up uh deciding to go to, to Denver but we were we were our hat was in the ring and and we and we were talking and but, uh you know we had a we had a good situation with Alex and 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 ultimately Peyton chose the the Broncos
0: before I let you go uh, you're proposing that well, explain it. What you want to allow uh, players to be able to do to go pro early if they have the if they have the talent, the opportunity to go pro.
2: Right, uh, th- that a player could submit his name to the NFL draft after any season—freshman, sophomore, junior, senior—or or after a fifth year. Um, and the, if the NFL does draft them, then they would become a pro. Uh, but the second part is that they can return to playing college football if they're not drafted, uh, which is is right now that's not the case. If somebody submits their name for the draft, they're, you know, they're gone. So creating more options. And and then the third piece of it is if a player leaves college and, and pursues his pro career, plays, plays pro ball, then after his pro career, uh, then he could return to college as a student and finish his degree at the expense of the university. So options that, that would, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, give the give the player a, a shot at a college career, a shot at a pro career, uh, if good enough, and also make sure that it, it, that uh, the youngster gets his degree because the, the numbers are still the same. I mean, there's there's only you know a, one and a half percent of NCAA players are going to play in the NFL, and um and and the alarming thing is the amount of of of, of youngsters that come out, you know, early for the draft and then um, play or don't play. Uh, a lot of the times not even not even get drafted. About 30% go undrafted that leave after their third year. And then they're, and it's over. There is no coming back to college. There's no uh, – I don't even have the degree and, and you don't have the pro career. So instead of that scenario taking place uh, – the scenario play, taking place where the, where the kids and their family can have it all. I mean, they get their, their playing career, their shot at the pro career, and they're going to get their degree. Uh, I think it just makes a lot of sense. and is a win-win-win for the student-athletes.
0: It's great to talk to you, and hopefully we get this sorted out soon. My best to your father, and uh, thanks for joining us, Coach. Thanks for having me on, Dan. That's Jim Harbaugh, Michigan head coach. Now, I have my thought on Jim Harbaugh saying, hey, why don't we have these kids go early? If you want to go early, you can go early. Well, if I'm at Michigan, and Michigan is... You know, they're they're up there among the top schools in recruiting. But if I know that the guys at Alabama might go a year earlier or the guys at Ohio State might go a year earlier, I'd be all in favor of that if I'm Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. (laughs) Hey, Chase Young, man, I think he could play in the NFL right now. Oh, you do? Chase Young. And he leaves after his sophomore year. You know, that uh, because Michigan played Alabama in the bowl game. You know, that uh, Ruggs and uh, Judy, they could play in the NFL right now. You're hoping they would be playing early in the NFL. Yes, McLevin. I feel so used and naive. (laughs) I didn't read that into that at all, but you're exactly right. (laughs) If I can get those guys at Ohio State to leave earlier, hey, Justin Fields is leaving earlier. Yes. Because Michigan is not recruiting with Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU. They're close, in Ohio State, you know who's done a pretty good job recruiting. And I, I hate to say there's parallels, but it sort of reminds me of Mississippi State, or no, Mississippi a couple of years ago. Tennessee's doing really well in recruiting this year. <laughs> I just get nervous when I go, wait, Tennessee got another big recruit? And another big recruit? Didn't this happen to Ole Miss? Yes, Paulie. I, I, there's a
3: theory we have here in the office when, a, when schools that are like middle-of-the-road schools, and Tennessee used to be great, but the past decade, Tennessee's been middle-of-the-road. Yep. In the past three or four months, they've pulled off a lot of good recruits. Yep. I remember about six or seven years ago, Ole Miss got Dice and Treadwell and Wallace and a bunch of trouble after that.
0: Yeah. Yep. Maybe it's just a coincidence. No accusation. Maybe just a coincidence. You know, that's all. Just applying a little logic there. <laughs> remind me of this uh, Remind me of this story In three or four years when I brought this up uh, Traeger wood-fired flavor You'll love the six-in-one versatility Join the community, get your Traeger grill Contact your local dealer Or you can go to traegergrills.com I think it's Traeger Day Coming up this Saturday, believe it or not I, on Mother's Day Had the Traeger fired up And uh, cooked steaks out there and, and it's a dish called chivalot. Have you heard? No. Chivalot? I don't know. Uh, it's an Italian thing. And my wife had me out there cooking the chivalot. And I said, I don't know how to cook. I don't, like, what's Chevrolet supposed to look like? I can do a steak. Yeah, Paul. Is it a cheese and parsley type sausage? It, it, yeah. Chivalot. But it's, <laughs> it, it's in a, a, like it's uh, wrapped up like a, Garden hose. It's a coil. Oh,
3: like a pinwheel. Yeah, and it's
0: got some chives and other Chevrolet. stuff. Chevrolet. Yes, you yeah. can get
3: that at Italian delis.
0: Yes, Seton. It sounds like uh, you're trying to make the brand of a car more fancy. Yes. So what are you driving these days? That's uh, a Chevrolet. Chevrolet.
3: <laughs> a <hatchback. laughs> a Chevrolet.
0: <laughs> no, it's a Chevrolet. Uh, well, let me talk to the resident uh, <laughs> chef, Todd.
2: I was. He, he beat me to it. Baseball, oh, okay. hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Chevrolet. Getting uh, fancy.
0: Okay, saying, I like, like that. All right, I'm good. Uh um, you got a poll question today. I want to do the NFL MVP poll. We are going to pick our own MVP favorites, but we'll also let the audience pick who they think should be the MVP. If you're
3: down with that.
0: Yeah, face we on can. The odds. Yeah, I, I was going, what what is my best bet here? If I was gonna at mm. twenty eight to one for Deshaun Watson, I thought that's a pretty good bet. And if you look, we we're finding these MVP candidates are outside the top five. I mean, it's like the Heisman. We're looking at a great story here, and you know it, it feels Patrick Mahomes, you think he's going to have another great year. It'd be hard for him not to, let's put it that way. Lamar Jackson, it might be a little tougher because I don't know if does he change his style at all. Does he run more? Does he run less? Does he pass more? We've seen those stories here. Russell Wilson. Still hasn't been given the credit that he deserves, in my opinion. No MVPs. And he's as valuable to his team as any of these quarterbacks there. Kyler Murray is up pretty high. He'd have to make a leap into the playoffs, and have to, he'd have to have a similar season to Lamar Jackson, I think. Tom Brady, it's an interesting story. Good story there. Dak Prescott's up there pretty high. Because I don't know how good the Cowboys are going to be. I keep thinking one of these years they're going to win like 11 games, 12 games, and go to the NFC title game. How about win your division? That would be nice. Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers. I'd probably take a flyer on Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson if I was looking at just, you know, using the odds in my favor. Jameis Winston, by the way, he is. He and Christian McCaffrey have the same MVP. That's not fair. That can't be right, McLovin. Is it? Running backs, man. No one likes them. James Winston. Make, they must yeah. be banking on he's the third string quarterback. Yeah, I don't get that. Breeze has to get hurt, and Taysom Hill would have to get hurt, and then J- Christian McCaffrey has the same odds as Jameis Winston. Jameis did get LASIK surgery, Dan. Don't don't forget that. Well now he can see the jersey numbers clearer when they pick him off. Wow. And he goes, No, it was number forty eight who did it. I thought it was forty-six. I'm rooting for Jameis Winston. I am. Jameis Winston. Write this down. Record this. Jameis Winston will win a big game somehow, some way in the near future. Wow. Yeah.
3: Way to go out there.
0: Yeah. We're gonna win a big game. Somehow, <laughs> some way. <laughs> Jeff Passon will join us on loan from the mothership. Are we getting closer to baseball? I still keep here in July 4th, and we'll talk to uh, Passon about this. Now the players are saying, "Hey, we don't want 50 50 uh, as far as rev share here," and I think we're headed for a showdown between the players' association. And the owners. We'll talk to Passon about that. When are we getting baseball back? Coming up next hour, we'll talk to Sam Smith. He wrote the book. He literally wrote the book, The Jordan Rules, and the Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott a little bit later on. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick show. We are looking at the NFL MVP odds and Paulie goes, you're sleeping on Baker Mayfield jr. The third. I said, okay, what's Baker's
3: odds. I think it's like 33 to one in some different places, but Baker Mayfield star rookie year mm. has the downturn last year, mm. lowers expectations, has a ton of talent around him this year and still has the big spotlight he has the upswing move to get the
0: MVP. The only thing I was thinking about Dak Prescott, at 9-1, to one, he's the third, he's got third best odds with the MVP. That might been, be one of those, hey, I told you I was worth this. That, that you know, this whole, you know, prolonged contract discussion, uh, maybe that would be one where he'd go, see, we got C.D. Lamb here, see what I can do. Uh, I'm, I'm the uh, best quarterback in the league. I don't know. Maybe Uh, Jeff Passon is joining us on loan from the mothership, their baseball insider, Jeff, thanks for joining us. I'm curious if the obstacles of safety are larger than the obstacles of the money here with major league baseball.
1: I mean, they should be right. Like that should be what the priority is, but uh, this is sports. and this is baseball in particular, and these things tend to be really cyclical, it's always about money. At the beginning, they fight about it publicly. Then they realize how obnoxious that looks and they take it inside. And they recognize that if they continue to fight about money uh, and, and end up not having a deal, it's gonna be 1994 all over again. And look, if you, if, you, if you want 1994 all over again, fine, go ahead and have it. Just don't have it in the middle of a pandemic. Just just don't do that because it's 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 wrong. It's bad for everybody involved. And I hope that the adults in the room recognize that.
0: All right. As we move forward here and hopefully baby steps here, I still keep hearing and I've heard this, I think, for five weeks now is July 4th, July 4th, around July 4th. What has to happen? You know, is July 4th a reasonable target date here?
1: yeah i think it's realistic you know we're looking at like two or so weeks to negotiate this deal two maybe two and a half weeks and if it gets done uh the major league baseball then needs to go uh and secure approval from all of the governors in whom state they're trying to play they've already been doing that gavin newsom yesterday in california talked about it mike dewine uh told uh reporters at espn that he talked with rob manfred so get gubernatorial support, get mayoral support, get White House support, get doctor support. And, and, you know, Anthony Fauci is coming out this morning and talking about how we're reopening too quickly. Getting Anthony Fauci support would be a really big deal. Having Anthony Fauci say, I don't like what baseball is doing, that wouldn't be very good.
0: All right. So when we do come back, I'm going to be optimistic here. I don't want to be Danny Downer. When we do come back, (laughs) are we looking at 80 game schedule? Is that, is that reasonable to get 80 games in per team, given the travel involved? And when do we end up with a world series?
1: Well, the, the travel looks like it's going to be different than usually. You're not going to have any teams taking cross country flights. If you're the New York Yankees, you're going to play your four other teams in the AL East and five teams in the NL East. And so if, if you're, uh, in New York, you might drive to Philadelphia, you drive to Boston, you drive to Washington. Clearly, you uh, drive to to Citi Field in New York. I mean, they're, they're going to try and do that. It's much easier among East teams and West teams than it is Central Division teams. Uh, they can get in 80-something games, especially if they're going to be double-headers. Um, and I, I think what MLB is hoping for in its proposal is finishing out the World Series Early in November, there's a lot of concern, Dan, and understandably so that a second wave is going to hit at some point. And if that second wave hits, uh, they don't want it to be, say, during November when they're in the middle of their postseason and they have to cancel it.
0: Can you expect baseball prior to the first week of July?
1: No. It will not be back. It will not be back before that. I think, I think first week of July is optimistic. Um, but I think it's, it's doable and everything has to go right. And we're living in an era where everything does not go right. So I I think at this point they are hopeful that that first week of January, uh, excuse me, of uh, July can happen. Um, but if it didn't, if it got pushed back to the middle of July, they'd still figure things
0: out. Jeff, always great to talk to you. Thank you. We appreciate your time.
1: Pleasure's mine, Dad. Thanks for having me.
0: That's Jeff Passan. He's baseball insider for uh, ESPN. I told you I was watching the uh, schedule release party with the NFL, and I wanted to know what are the plan Bs or plan Cs with this? Because I was told that they had a 12-game schedule just in case. Now what we're finding out is, this according to Peter King, the NFL's portable schedule would move the first four weeks of the season into January. As a result, the 2020 season would start Thursday, October 8th, with the Buccaneers facing the Bears on Thursday night football. League officials have already discussed delaying the season by a month so they can buy some time. That's why when I was told that they, they could have the Super Bowl in March, The NFL is fine with that as long as Tampa is going to be okay in scheduling that with hotels and the stadium, which I'm told that Tampa is going to be okay with that. But I didn't know if we were going to have 12 games or if we were having 16, could you take the first four weeks and then move it to the end of the schedule and that's what they're talking about. Or at least that is plan B here. You know, when the commissioner says to all the owners, hey, no hypotheticals. Well, I deal in a hypothetical because I think we're in a gray period here of hypotheticals. What if, when can we? Those are hypotheticals. And with the NFL, I deal with a hypothetical because if it starts on time, great. Now, what if it doesn't? Here is the hypothetical. And now you're seeing that, you know, if that second wave of the coronavirus looming, then the NFL has to look at this and be forced to change its schedule but for the time being maybe it's starting on time no issues whatsoever they have to have a contingency plan this is the plan that's why i said look at the look at the month of the first month of the season and how important those games are and you can flip them and have them at the end of the regular season which is an interesting way to look at the schedule now because you're going to have some pretty good matchups by the end of the regular season. Yeah, Paulie? Just to clarify
3: that, so the season would be bumped back, but the September first four games would be at the tail end?
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the Super Bowl would be pushed back. They've been trying to do President's Weekend, from what I'm told, for a while, because that gives you that Monday off. And then you're going to, you know, as long as Tampa can accommodate, which should be able to accommodate, you're going to have... A heads up here that's going to start soon. But it could be the Bears and Buccaneers Thursday night football, October 8th. That would be the first game. Uh huh. That'd be saucy. That'd be nice. All right. More on that coming up. Also, I guess Tom Brady and one of the reasons why he left the Patriots is he didn't get along with his offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniel. I'll give you my thoughts on it. Because those two had been together for almost 20 years. I'll give you my thoughts on that report by Gary Myers. Very good NFL reporter. We'll also talk to the man who wrote the Jordan book, The Jordan Rules, Sam Smith. His thoughts on the documentary and the Pac-12 commissioner, Larry Scott. Your phone calls are welcome. 877-3DP-SHOW. One hour in the books, two more to go. Dan and the Dan at Dan Patrick Show.